Welcome to the Charged Up Podcast, where athletes, coaches, and trainers go unfiltered and uncut. Unfiltered and uncut. To discuss everything you want to know about the sports and fitness world. Thank you guys so much for joining us with your host, Garrett Nealon, coming at you from Club Quarantine right now. Uh, again, this is the Charged Up Podcast, where we're going unfiltered, uncut, really just discussing everything involving sports and fitness. I uh, got a great guest on for you guys today, former Penn State tight end, Minnesota Vikings tight end, got a lot of good knowledge for you guys, especially younger athletes, about the recruiting process, about the draft process, and uh, training, academics, everything in between. Can't wait to get him on. So without any further ado, let's get it. All right, Kyle Carter. How we doing today? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for having me. 14. It's going, man. You know, it's different times right now, man. But just like in sports, you got to adapt. You got to adjust and adapt. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Welcome uh, to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Um, Why don't you start off this kind of segment or podcast telling our audience a little bit about yourself, um, kind of where you're from, how you grew up, where you went to school at, all that. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Kyle Carter um, grew up in Delaware. Small state, didn't get too much, you know, uh, recognition when it comes to sports, man. So my whole life was really just about kind of being the underdog and just like, you know, being seen uh, coming from Delaware. Uh, but started uh, my football career in sixth grade. Um, I always played outside and everything, but never played um, organized ball till sixth grade. And uh, my dad got me into it. And I got a story like the first day I went out there, um, I quit. Because I was a guy, I always, I tried to quit at least. Uh, my dad made sure that didn't happen. But uh, growing up or uh, playing outside, I always was a receiver. I always played receiver. I always, like, was catching the ball and stuff. And uh, they had a weight limit in that uh, league that I was in. So I was a lineman because I was always a big kid. So they had me playing lineman. And I didn't want to block nobody. I didn't want to have my hand in the dirt. I didn't want to do none of that. I just wanted to catch the ball. Um, but... Um, for the three years that I was playing in that youth league from sixth to eighth grade, um, I had to play defensive end and offensive tackle. So, man, that was – it was hard for me just because I always wanted the ball in my hands. I wanted to score touchdowns and stuff. But um, I guess that helped me in the future with playing tight end. Um, but also throughout those years, um, I always had a hoop dreams to play basketball. So during that time, I really just – I wanted to be in the NBA anyway. So I was just playing football just to play, be around my friends and everything. And I would say um, it was around 11th grade, I had to make the decision between uh, football and basketball, or at least I felt I needed to make that decision on which one I wanted to take serious. And uh, 11th grade came around and I had a pretty good football season and basketball was, eh, it was all right. So, I mean, the decision wasn't too hard, but i um, glad I chose the football route. And I mean, I'm here now. Uh, I went to William Penn High School in Delaware um, won a state basketball championship and when I was in 10th grade football. We had a team, but we never, never quite uh, made a championship or anything with the talent we had, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I would say about 
10th grade is when I knew that I wanted to like go division one and like try to play in the NFL and everything. And like I said earlier, um, like coming from Delaware, it's tough just getting coaches to come out and, you know, just getting that, getting some recognition from where I was from. So uh, my, all my summers consisted of, I would say from like ninth grade through like 11th grade, uh, me and my friends and me and my mom and dad uh, going to different camps around uh, the States though. So, I would do some camps in Delaware, but those really just to, uh, you know, kind of get my respect in Delaware and everything, let everybody know. But I really used to um, go to Jersey, Maryland. Um, I want to say I went to New York before for camp, PA, obviously, um, like for Penn State. But just doing that camp circuit all summer, training at home and doing the camp circuit in the summer just to try to get some looks. And uh, luckily it worked out, um, ended up getting a Penn State offer and committing to them being their first commit of the 2011 class. Yeah. So I knew once I got a Penn State offer, that's where I wanted to go. There was nothing else for me to wait for, you know, so why not? And then you kind of just show the school that you're committed and that you're, you're down for the cause, you know, and on that point, I was just recruiting other guys and stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, was at Penn State through the scandal, obviously, which is a whole nother story, man, but uh, stay committed through that time, um, which is something that I'm, I'm glad I did and me and a group of friends did. Um, and I just feel like that helped me just to grow, just kind of grow up into a man early because that situation, we just, no one, no one thought anything like that would ever happen at Penn State and uh, staying and staying true and staying loyal and still being able to achieve my dreams. I feel like that was just a great lesson learned. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, I know that was a lot. I know that was a lot. But that, that leads me into kind of like my next question. Um, mm -hmm. I think from that last uh, excerpt that you just gave um, about the whole scandal, everything like that, I mean, mm -hmm. geez, the sports world was kind of shaken up by that, you know? Sure. And it kind of, you know, Penn State was, uh, and, you know, it still is this college football powerhouse program. Um, yeah. Would you say that was kind of your wake-up call or eye-opening moment? Um, while you were there causing you to kind of work harder or shape the direction you wanted to go in maybe um, kind of shaped the um, strategy you had at maybe going to the NFL or you know your career in general yeah I mean wake up call for sure because uh, after Joe Paterno um, after uh, his coaching career was over at Penn State we got um, Bill O'Brien who was known as an NFL offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. He had um, two great tight ends with the Patriots. And me playing tight end knew, like, wow, like, this is a new coach. This is a new opportunity. Like, he doesn't know me from anything. And, like, this is my chance to really, like, you know, play with an NFL coach. And this is, like, the best, like, experience I can get to go into the NFL. So I would definitely say that was a wake-up call because once he came in, he turned that program into an NFL program. Um, he trusted us. He kind of just let us do us as long as we had our business handled and got our schoolwork done. I mean, he let us play ball. And um, started, I want to say when he got there, <clears throat> there was, we had eight tight ends in our tight end room. So we had like four or five guys, I say four guys as a wide tight end, which is like the blocking tight end. And then four guys um, in line in the depth chart to be the F tight end, which is like the move tight end, catch passes. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, when he came in, I was a redshirt freshman, so I never played. I had no film or anything that he could see, so I was the last F tight end. 
uh, coming into spring ball. I was the last guy. So basically, number seven, eight in the room out of uh, eight guys. So it was just like, wow, like I'm going to really have to grind out of this. And I can say that, like, he gave me a fair chance because every day I just came in and said, all right, I just want to, like, just be better than the guy in front of me this day. And as we went along and as that depth chart kept coming out, I just kept seeing my name moving up. I'm getting more reps in practice. I'm making more plays and just get more opportunities. And by the end of spring ball, which was literally, I want to say six to eight weeks, I was the number one F tight end. So, like, that fast it changed for me. And that at that point I said, wow, like, I'm the – I'm a freshman. I'm the starter at the position that I want at Penn State. Like, this is this is it. So, I mean, that was really my wake-up call. That first spring ball, and that's when I knew, like, all right, I could really do this. Like, I'm beating out these seniors. I'm, I'm making plays and practice. And O'Brien's, like, loving what I'm doing right now. Like, this is it. And then, lo and behold, I have a great uh, freshman season. So, it all worked out right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, were you – how was your training like, um, you know, when – Phil O'Brien came in, were you like, dang, I got to step in my game? Or were you kind of like, I'm just going to showcase my talent, see where, it, like, it goes and stuff like see that? Go, yeah. I mean, I was confident. Like I said, I knew it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience having a Coach O'Brien there. So I knew, like, I had to give him my all. And um, I just had a group of friends around me. Uh, we caught ourselves in Super 6. Um, got a couple of day jerseys behind me right there, man. Uh, they motivated me every day, man. Like, if they were going to the field, I was going to the field. You know, they was working out, I was working out. And, I mean, all of us got a chance at the NFL. Some are still in it and some not. Um, but like, just that core group of friends, I feel like, is what motivated me every day to just keep striving, keep pushing. Um, like, if I see one of them make a play in practice, I got to go make a play in practice. Right. If one of my boys is starting. Like, when I was the fourth guy, like, some of my friends was already up in the depth chart. They number one or number two of their position. So, you know, just that motivation. I felt like I was lagging behind at the time. So I know I had to step my game up, man. And uh, I can't go back to the dorm room as a fourth string, you know, tight end. Like, nervous, right? so it worked out. Exactly. Like, all my boys playing, but it worked out, man. And um, we pushed each other. Um, to this day, we still push each other. Yeah. I think <clears throat> uh, just forming that sense of like accountability within a group, especially close friends. Um, yeah. I've had a couple different times in high school and in college, too. Um, where if I didn't have that group, I might have just sit, you know, sit play Xbox and exactly all these things that weren't kind of beneficial to either my athletic uh, career or even academic career. You know what sure. I mean? No one's what, what's that saying? Um, the tide rises, all ships rise, uh, something like that, right? So mm -hmm. kind of along that line, where I, I saw a lot of my athletes too. Maybe you need a workout partner. Maybe you need somebody yeah. just to like be in your ear keeping you accountable and stuff. And sometimes that's the most powerful thing, you know, even a couple words or even somebody just working out with you can, you know, you, know, yeah. you really succeeding and you failing. Definitely. Definitely. Getting Just being in the right environment. If, right. I mean, if you're the type of person that can do a solitary, more power to you. Cause sometimes it's going to be like that, including times like now, like right. you don't got to work out if you don't want to, like it's really up to you. So, I mean, like this quarantine is really a perfect time to say, see like where your motivation is at, honestly because no one's really watching you right now. So it's really up to you what you want to do. Very true. Very true. Now, um, we talked a little bit about athletics and kind of how that accountability within athletics, but the hardest part for a lot of athletes, um, I've had some tough times too uh, in this, but you, um, you were an all-academic Big Ten all four years while you were at Penn State. 
Um, what advice do you have for younger players about the value of doing well in school and managing their workload as an athlete? Yeah. It's tough. Being a student athlete is tough, but like they say, that student comes first. So at the end of the day, you got to make sure you get your schoolwork done just to stay eligible to be on the team and then um, handle that football stuff after. And at the end of the day, the, your degree is something they can never take away from you. No injury, nothing, no coach, no, bat, no GM, no business decision can, like, get between you and your education. So I feel like that's just most important. That's something you should hold near and there. And just growing up, um, my mom and dad always instilled that in you. Just uh, school first, no matter what. Right. Do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. So I feel like that's just a great mantra to have for any of these athletes, man. Like, get your schoolwork done. Get what you have to get done first. Then you can do all those wants after. So true. Um, it's a tough thing, though. I mean, uh, especially as the level uh, kind of progresses. Mm -hmm. In D1, I mean, you're traveling a lot. Um, sure. School for, I mean, not for school, but for, you know, games, whether they're in conference, out of conference, a lot of times it's even further. And then you're talking like bowl games, too. Might be like, yeah. I don't know how it was at Penn State. Um, but, you know, depending on the bowl game, it can be either, you know, during the school year or right after finals week, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, luckily, we went to some all right bowl games, or at least we was Penn State, so then they put us in some of those bowl games that were later, like closer to New Year's, so school was out. But there was times where, um, you know, we have to leave on a Friday or maybe have a Friday game, got to leave on a Thursday. But at the end of the day, like, you just got to get your schoolwork done. We had study halls and everything. So, like, as a freshman, they made sure you stayed in study hall. And if you didn't achieve a certain GPA, like, you'd have to be in study hall that next semester. I was able to basically get a good enough GPA to get out, but um, I knew in my head that study hall place was the place to go because in my dorm room, it's all my friends. We right. playing NBA 2K. We playing Madden. We, like, you know, doing just what college kids do. So, just, like, having a quiet place, whether it's a library, study hall, to just – Go in there, take an hour or two, knock out your work, and then have fun after. That was really what I did uh, to get through that kind of, it. That kind of space or structure uh, is super important um, For sure. to have. You know, a lot of times you're like, all right, this is my, this is my dorm room and this is my bedroom where we do, uh, like, either we play an Xbox or I'm sleeping, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Have the mindset to actually, like, complete my homework in here, complete that schoolwork in here. Just my mind isn't in it. There's um yeah. factors like people down the hall screaming yelling whatever so sometimes you know the library or study hall or wherever it might be wherever our athletes forte is then mm -hmm. you know that's where you really need to go to get it done right use it as a sanctuary right for sure exactly so there's a huge you know that's a that's a huge part of it i think this is something that uh a lot of athletes struggle with and, you know, they've even made shows about it, about, like, Last Chance You and stuff like that. Yeah. It might not all be about um, kind of academics, but I think that plays a big part uh, because there are so many athletes that are so talented that can't make it to that D1 level where they need to be or where they want to be because of their, you know, academics or the lack thereof. Um, oh, yeah. What would you recommend somebody or to somebody who um, – maybe is struggling with that academic uh, level or maybe they're at JUCO right now. There's a lot of kids at JUCO and they're sure. like, I can't get out without a two five or more, like, or above. what would you say to them? 
I mean, they the passion they put into the sport of football or their sport of lacrosse, basketball, whatever, you got to put that into your schoolwork. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you really grind hard and uh, uh, just study, focus, uh, pay attention to class and all that, you can achieve that too far. You can achieve it just like you can achieve whatever you want to do on the field or on the court. You can do the same thing in the classroom. You just got to really put your mind to it. Like, to be an elite athlete, there's something special about you. So you just kind of got to put those talents and those qualities that you use on the field or on the court, just put it in the classroom and just be determined to get it done because at the end of the day, you know where you want to end up. And that's something that you have to do to get where you want to go. So there's no question of if you're going to do it, like you got to. Right, exactly. You got to stay strong with your mind, you know. You got to keep exactly. telling yourself, I can do this or else, you know. You're just going to beat yourself up like, I can't do this. I mean, we've all kind of been there, whether it was hard classes, hard tests and stuff. For sure. You're like, I don't know if I can do this or I'm just sick of this, right? But right. You know, if your goal is right there, you got to do whatever it takes to get there. Exactly. Like, you know what you want. If you don't really want to make it, then maybe you don't try as hard in school. But if you know that you want to make it, you'll handle your business. Yeah. But, you know, switching gears to, you know, the next question, um, it kind of ties into this where, uh, you know, Maybe it's junior college kids. Maybe it's high school kids that, you know, didn't really um, maybe have the level of coaches coming after them, um, recruiting process, or maybe academics. Maybe they were struggling getting out of high school. Um, maybe they had to go to JUCO. So maybe underrated or um, those kind of athletes who are underrated or who think that they're underrated in general. Mm -hmm. um, maybe tie a little bit more into you as well. I mean, we got the draft coming up here. Um, yeah. You were an undrafted free agent coming out of uh, Penn State. Um, yeah. It's different at that time, right? I mean, I'm sure you can go into a lot of that. Can you get, take us through your emotions when that process and the draft week, the draft yeah. day process, all of that, when it happened? The process, man, the process is crazy. I mean, the process started, honestly, into like while you're still playing college football because you're thinking about your age and, and like where you're going to train at and all that. But I'll say right after my senior year, um, after the bowl game, we were in Tampa in the tax layer bowl. Day after that game, like I already knew who my agent was going to be. Um, I already knew where I was going to train, all that stuff. So um, we had a bowl game that night. I can enjoy time with my family. And that next morning, me and my agent and uh, my guy, Anthony Zettel, who was one of my teammates that was, had the same agent and was training with me, we flew right out to uh, Exos in um, Carlsbad, California. And that's, that's, that's where I can say I fell in love with just the whole athletic training, performance training, um, like sports facilities, all that type of stuff. Because just going over there to just that beautiful area, beautiful facility, um, and just working out with like-minded guys that were all having goals to get to the league. It was just an amazing atmosphere, amazing atmosphere. And um, you can just tell how serious it was. Um, these agents are putting tens of thousands of dollars into these trainings, into nutrition, into flexibility. I'm talking every little thing you can think of, like they have, they're, they're doing it. They're finding a way to get you better at every little part of your game, every part of your body. And it's amazing the transformations you can make if you, like, go to a serious program like that. And the best guys, you know, spend a lot of money on their body. Um, but during that whole process, uh, just enjoying it, trying to get better every day, getting faster. Unfortunately, didn't get uh, invited to the combine. 
And that, that was my first, like, all right, like, this, this is going to be tough. Um, didn't get right to the combine, but kind of took that in stride. Knew how to like, put all my cards on the table during my pro day. Um, pro day comes around, and I trained well for it and ran my fastest 40 ever, which was a 464. So I was proud of that to this day. Yeah. To this day. <laughs> um, had my best jumping numbers, everything. Um, didn't drive any passes, so it felt great out of a pro day. And just as the time goes on from your pro day to the draft, like teams will start calling you, um, like scouts from different teams, just to, like make sure they got your information right for draft day. So I'm getting calls from every team. I'm like, oh, dang, I might go here. Well, I might go here. I might go to the Cardinals. I might go to the Cowboys. I might go to the Eagles. And I was getting excited, obviously. Um, day of, day one of the draft comes around. I have, I'm having a party. Uh, I had about 30 people in my house, family, and some friends and stuff. Um, just to kind of have good vibes around, honestly. Um, I wasn't really nervous because I thought I was going to be a late round pick. Um, so the first round come, first round comes. I was no pressure on me. I was just enjoying the time with family and friends, just chilling. Second day comes around, same thing. Like I wasn't really expecting to go second or third round. Um, day three comes around, and that's when like the pressure starts mounting. It's like, all right, like I get a call that morning from like Arizona, like rechecking my stuff, and I believe Dallas as well. So I'm like, oh yeah, it's probably gonna be one of them. So every time they're on the clock, I'm kind of just looking at my phone, just waiting, waiting. And like kind of just the whole time you're checking to see what tight ends came off the board and stuff. And it just time grew by. Fourth round went through, fifth round. After the sixth round, uh, my agent calls me. And I'm like, what's going on? And like at at the sixth round of the draft is when like teams start kind of reaching out for the undrafted free agents, like the priority ones. Um, you still get a little sign of bonus and like you kind of as opposed to getting picked up in the seventh round where you don't get to choose your destination as an undrafted free agent, you could choose where you want to go. So your agent and yourself can kind of check out the roster, see like what the uh, me playing tight end, what the tight end room was looking like. Like, did I feel like I had a chance there? Um, so first he calls me, he's like, hey, like uh, Arizona wants to get you if you don't get drafted. And I'm like, bet, like it's whatever. I didn't even care who was on the roster at the time. Like, I just happy to be on the team because just having family around and kind of seeing like, damn, like I might not get picked up. It was kind of, you know, like you're, you're, you're just expecting to get drafted to hear your name. It's something that you think about um, your whole life and like seeing your name go across the screen. And once that became a reality, I just wanted to be on a team and I didn't care what team. So like, I only told my wife, I was like, yeah, like I kind of like snuck it to her shoulder to text and um, he was talking about Arizona. And we were kind of getting excited, like just waiting, like, he gives me a call back and he said, actually, no, Minnesota called. They got a better offer. We're liking their um, like tight end room better for you. So I'm like, hey, like whatever, like I'm going to take it. Um, so as soon as the draft's over, as soon as that last pick is over, people, you know, around the house are kind of like eerie because they don't know what's going on. But uh, like my agent calls me, I put it on speaker and like we kind of like make it official. So I still get all the cheers, family still excited, still, you know, it felt like I still got drafted at the end of the day. So they made it fun for me. Um, despite not being drafted, the family was still happy for me. I was still happy. And I knew I got an opportunity. And that's all I really wanted at the end of the day. It'd be nice to be a sixth round, seventh round pick, just to be able to say that. But, <clears throat> and just to kind of know that the team picked you, you know, out of their picks. But undrafted free agent wasn't bad. and um, I was excited to get started after that. For sure. Um, I mean, that process is, uh, you know, kind of going to relate more 
than ever now. Um, yeah. Especially in your case where, you know, you're at home, you're on the phone and stuff like that. Now, a lot of people are, or, you know, a fair amount of athletes there at the draft, right? Yeah. But everybody this year, you're going to be at home. Everybody virtual, everybody. So, uh, I mean, what were you doing that day? Would you just have family over? Did you guys have like brunch, lunch, dinner, whatever? Uh, just hang yeah, out. My mom, my mom, she basically uh, cooked and like we got stuff catered and all that. And like I said, I had a lot of family and friends over, so it was really all love. Like the first two days was amazing. Like I was just eating good, just chilling, watching foot, watching like people get drafted, watching highlights. Like oh, it's gonna be me next. Like tomorrow, it's gonna be me. <clears throat> but um, that, like I said, day three came around and it just started getting eerie. It just wasn't the same until I actually knew what team I was going to be on and I could actually start uh, getting excited. I do remember, I feel like the next day or not, maybe the day three started earlier. So like it ended, I would say like late afternoon, we headed straight to the mall to try to find some Minnesota Vikings gear. And I mean, we found, I want to say, did we find, I don't even think we found anything, honestly, because like we're in Delaware. So like there's no Minnesota Vikings gear. But I seen one of my other friends that um, David Greenwich, he played tight end as well. I ended up getting picked up undrafted somewhere. And like him and his family was in there doing the same thing at the mall, trying to get, I believe he went to the Jaguars. Yeah, they were trying to get like a Jaguar, some Jaguar stuff. I was trying to get my bike and stuff, but we was excited. You know, afterwards, it was just good vibes. It was just good vibes. For sure. That's, that's funny. Um, now, how do you think this uh, year's draft is going to go? I'm I'm excited to see it, man. I kind of I need some sports in my life right now. I really do. Like this Michael Jordan documentary has really been like holding it down for me. You know, just started, but it's just amazing to see some of them highlights. But this year, I'm starting to get into it more now. Like now that I'm out the game, I don't know as much. But like now that this week has come up, I've been watching a lot more Sports Center and stuff, and just trying to like identify with some of these prospects and stuff. I'm excited, man. I think I'm sure Joe Burrow is gonna be first. And I see Chase Young uh, coming home and playing with the Redskins. So, yeah. but my the biggest story I feel like I'm trying to see is like where Tua Tagovailoa will go. So, man, it's that's tough. The big story. I don't know. Quarterbacks are. Uh, I mean, except for Burrow, I guess you know he's a Ohio boy. So, yeah. I see, but I don't know where Tua. Where no, there's a couple other ones. I think what's that guy's name? Um, from Utah State, I think it's Jordan. Jordan Love. Jordan Love getting so much love lately. They right. just want to find the next, like, diamond in the rough. Right, but you can see that draft stock. You know, it happened with uh, Daniel Jones, too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you thought Dwayne Haskins was going at that point, and then, you know, the Giants are like, nope, we're going uh, – we're going to – like, if, if they like a guy, they like a guy. And it's crazy, just the business side of the NFL, it's – if if someone up top likes you enough, you'll be good. You right. know, if someone up top doesn't like you, it's over. So, I mean – they people are starting to fall in love with Jordan Love, and once one team does, another team, like, oh damn, they must have seen something. So like, let's go check this film out. Exactly. And they're like, you start just start falling in love with somebody, and at the end of the day, they may not be exactly, you know, they may be exactly what you thought he was a couple months ago, as opposed to what you think he is now, because everyone is like hyping it up. But I hope he's successful. I hope he is the next Patrick Mahomes. You know, um, it's it's a process though. At the end of the day, and these guys, they're gonna go into the league and. They're going to see that, you know, it's different. And especially this year with the quarantine and stuff, like you can't have a rookie mini camp, OTAs, and that's a very important piece of the puzzle. So right. I'm interested to see how it goes this year, honestly. Hopefully yep. there's a season. 
all the logistics too between like coaches calling in and stuff yeah. like there's no like war room or anything like that so it's it's gonna be different man and i'm gonna be tuned in oh for sure i'm gonna be tuned in. i mean yeah. there's nothing else to do right all right so if you were nfl head coach or gm and uh you know you were in the first round say you had one pick first round one pick second round what would you be looking for uh in an athlete you know picking those or different ones now i know it kind of depends on your team's needs and all of that but yeah let's say other than performance what what are the things you're most looking for in an athlete you want to be in your organization and on your gotcha. team? So, yeah, I'm, I'll put us in a situation. I'll say we're at the combine and, like, I'm having just a face-to-face interview with a guy. Like, what I would be looking for as a scout, as a GM, as a coach, first and foremost, just passion for the game. Like, does this guy really love football? Like, is he gonna is he going to really, really put his all into this? And honestly – this is a conversation I've had with many people um, in the NFL. They want you to kind of just be a plan A guy. Like they don't want you to have a plan B. So like they don't want you to be thinking about life after football. They don't want you to really be thinking about your family, really, honestly. Like they'd want you to just be, if, if it was the perfect world for them, like for the six months of the uh, preseason through the season and playoff, they'd want you to basically quarantine yourself to just football, you know, if they had it perfect. Um, but I just want a guy that, um, just love the game. I would want a guy that had a little bit of balance, though, honestly, uh, just knowing, understanding my situation and other guys' situations that I've talked to. Um, and just make sure that they're a good decision maker on and off the field, because that could ruin a franchise. If you got one guy that just, like, uh, makes a bad decision, whether it's domestic violence or something crazy like that, um, it could not only set you back that pick, but set you back with your franchise and how that works. So um, two things I'd be looking for, just a good decision maker and just passion for the game. I think those are two of the most important things, right? I mean, in any organization, business, football, sports, whatever, um, it's kind of somebody who brings that value to your organization, really, you know, takes it upon themselves to put your organization in better light, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, to the outside world, especially, you know, in football, which is so media oriented, and you're getting so much, you know, news headlines, stuff like that. It's crazy. Now, I see you got, you know, four jerseys in the background. Um, oh, yeah. Say, you know, give me one of the best things, one of the best attributes about each one of them. I see CJ, I see Adrian in the background, um, all of that. Donovan Smith and Jordan Lucas. Right. So tell me a little bit about, you know, or one thing that, you know, you would say about them uh, to an NFL team or or even uh, for sure, for sure. That one word to describe him. Gotcha. All right, we we start with CJ. CJ, that that's definitely a best friend that I made while I was in uh, Minnesota. He came in as an undrafted free agent, just like me, um, 2016. So I like I seen his grind firsthand. Played running back at a uh, Minnesota. Uh, what school in Minnesota? I forget what school. A small school in Minnesota, though. Like, um. But that guy, he works harder than anybody I've ever seen. And he he knew that, like, being – like, change the position to fullback was his way to get on and to, like, be versatile and, like, prove himself. And I've seen him just work on that craft, work on special teams, and just work on self uh, more than anybody I've been around. So, um, I believe he just signed a multi-year deal with the uh, Vikings to come back. So, like, 
he just determined, hardworking guy that he'll hit anybody. As a fullback, I've never seen him uh, avoid a hit. Right. Um, Donovan Smith. Sorry, I got a little mad down here. He walking around. Um, Donovan, this guy, he's just, as an offensive tackle, a left tackle, he's just athletic. Hey, what's up? What's up, Mav? It's a little Maverick. He's going to be a NFL draft class of 20, 30-something. <laughs> 20, about 2039, 20, 2040. Um, but Donovan, this guy, he's, like I said, he's about 330, 340 pounds, but athletic as any big man I've ever seen. And as a left tackle, that's very, very important. Um, he's a guy that I would trust uh, blocking my blind side any day of the week. And that's big. Um, being a consistent left tackle is important. And that's why he's uh, now protecting Tom Brady. Yeah. So it's going to be crazy to see that. It's going to be crazy to see that. Yeah. Adrian, he's just a freak athlete. Freak athlete. From, from day one, uh, one of the strongest guys at his uh, like size. And then one of the fastest as well, man. He's just um, – the fast twitch muscles are there, everything. He'll hit anything and just football IQ. Um, so definitely a great guy to have in the secondary. And then Jordan Lucas last one, he was another teammate of mine at Penn State. Um, versatile DB, uh, plays safety, plays um, corner, special teams, all the above. And he's a competitor at the end of the day. He's not letting anyone uh, outwork him, uh, beat him on a rep. So that's a competitor right there. Hey, I love that. I'm sure those guys love to hear it too, you know? For sure, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to send this to them. <laughs> For sure. Um, but, so, you know, after the NFL draft process and stuff like that, um, I think it's important, especially when you're, you know, when you're in minicamp, training camp, you know, halfway into the season and stuff like that, I know we've all kind of felt it. Whatever level that we're playing at, our body starts to, like, deteriorate, starts to break down a yeah. little bit. You know, because For sure. we're not weight training as hard. We're not, you know, doing the things that we really need to be doing. Um, a lot of times, whether it is, um, you know, stretching, warming up effectively. Sometimes, you know, during the warm-ups, we're kind of messing around. We're kind of talking it up, chopping it up with our friends, our buddies and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. What would you say or what, what would you recommend to an athlete um, for their recovery process, uh, you know? Maybe it's post-game football. Uh, a lot of times we're going over to our families, our friends. Um, mm -hmm. But then going into, you know, the locker room and stuff like that, we're showering. And we really don't think about uh, what we need to do to properly recover. We, 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 like the next day we wake up and we're like, uh, I'm cramping. Oh, stop, right? So uh, what would you recommend? I mean, the big thing about the NFL is they had the resources. So, I mean, whatever you needed, they had. I'm talking Norma Tech. That was my – that was a favorite of mine. Norma Tech machine, like the recovery boots. Um, Norma Tech's hot tub, cold tub was big before and after practices. Um, Hypervolts, just like kind of warm up and kind of just get yourself a little massage and things like that. But as you know, like the best players in the world, they spend thousands – LeBron spends millions on just his recovery and his body every year because that's what it takes to continue playing at a high level. Right. Um, so that's one thing I knew that during training, like times like training camp where you're practicing every day, you know that you got to recover from that practice before if you want to like come out and be your best self the next day. 
So that's why I took it seriously and a lot of other my, my teammates did. And I kind of just watched uh, the guys that were in positions uh, where I wanted to be in the future, kind of see how, they, how serious they took um, recovery and regen. And, I mean, even the teams, they, we, you have like a regen day and little regen activities and stuff. But So they understand that that's a very important part. And, I mean, can't be a great athlete if you're not um, recovered. Yeah. So, you know, NFL teams and pro teams, even college teams are starting to get that point and realize the value of what, you know, recovery of what prime in the body really uh, helps their athletes improve yeah. performance and recover quicker, faster, all of that. A lot of times at high school, though, we don't, you know, our athletes are getting that. They're not getting anything. They're getting that's yeah. kind of education behind why it's effective minimal education about how to do it effectively yeah. uh, and the simplest way is to do it. So a lot of times they're looking for that information. Sometimes they're like, man, I don't need it until they get hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. so, and that's too late really then. Exactly. That's, that's the biggest thing. You know, it's too late um, when that happens, but you know, transitioning into the pregame thing. Uh, a lot of times as athletes, we have pregame rituals. We have, yeah. A lot of things that were kind of set in stone, whether it's from high school through college to the pros, whatever. Take me through your pregame rituals. It can be music, top five songs, whatever you got to hear, whatever you got to okay. do. I didn't really have a true ritual. I always did um, make sure I like went out and like uh, just threw some passes with a teammate that I was cool with, just to, like get my hands ready and move around. Um, but one thing I could say I've done since college was listen to Meek Mill. Um, that just always just felt like it got me in my zone, got me ready to play, just got me, uh, you know, just with a different attitude. Um, and I feel like that's what I needed to, to be on the field. So uh, listening to Meek Mill was definitely the thing I feel like that got me um, like ready to play. Shout out Meek, man. He's hey, shout out Meek. He hypes up, I swear. For sure. Um, all right. But I know you're a little bit busy with Mav and stuff like that, so we're going to start. Yeah, man. Up. Um, now, right now you are, uh, the CEO head coach, um, of your training business, Carter Performance, um, which is based out of both Maryland and Virginia, um, yeah, kind of yeah. on that DMV line. Uh, what levels of athletes are you training? Um, stuff like that. Um, I train all levels. Um, I'm starting with intro to football all the way through collegiate and pro level guys. Um, I've adjust my program, um, you know, to kind of see like what kind of your skill set is and what your goals are. I mean, some guys may just want to get faster. Some guys may want to work on route running, their hands, whatever. So I'm working with all types and all ages of athletes. I'm just trying to instill them, like you said, uh, just the knowledge and the experience that I've had through the years. And um, if I knew some of this stuff earlier, I just feel like, you know, I could have been, I could have did a little bit better than uh, what I did, but I'm just happy that I was able to have the opportunity that I did. And now that I can, um, I'm in a position to give back. Right. Uh, that's the best part, man. And like kind of seeing these kids, I can't wait for this football season. Cause this will be like my first round of uh, kids that I've trained actually having a real season and playing. So I just can't wait to get out there and watch them and, you know, um, see their improvements. Absolutely. I agree more. I mean, that's the reason why I started this, my whole company, Athletes Prehab, why I started this podcast. Sure. Back to the athletes that are really looking for that knowledge from somebody who's been there. Who's done that? All of that. Um, what would a typical session with you include? Sorry, can you say that one more time? What would a typical session or typical training session with you include? 
speed, agility training to start, um, plyometrics. And then my main thing is skill development. So we get right into the skill development stuff. And I'm just trying to work exact uh, movements and uh, muscle memory of different things that you would do in game to be successful. So uh, that's my main thing. And we're branching out into some personal training. We're branching out into um, different things like that, uh, combine training. So I'm excited just for where it's going to go. Love that. Do you train any other athletes other than uh, tight ends? I do. I do. I'm, I'm doing all uh, skill positions right now. Um, so I'm talking anybody that catches the ball on offense or defense. Right. Um, O-line, D-line, I'm going to lead that to the O-line, D-line coaches. Um, just because, like, I want to give kids, you know, the, I want to give them my best and give them uh, everything that I know. And um, so I'm, I'm most comfortable, though, with the skill position players and uh, getting the ball in their hands and uh, scoring touchdowns. Absolutely. Um, so somebody that's trained with you before, I can, you know, I know your work. Um, so good. Uh, you do yes, camps, you do small uh, group training, all of that. Yeah. And they're super broken down um, into where kids are, you know, always kind of doing something. There's not much downtime, which is awesome. Yes, for sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and then really refining their skills and technique. Um, I think, you know, you're doing a great job communicating with the athletes too um, about how they can do it um, more effectively or more efficiently. Uh oh. You there? Yeah. My bad, man. My dang. Uh, my iPad died. Let me just get these AirPods on. Oh, you good? You good? All right, my fault. Thought we could make it. Like once she's like, "Yeah, we're gonna." Yeah, I just have. I might make it. One more question. Yep, you're good. Yeah. We'll I have one more question for you. Um, obviously, we're rounding it out uh, on the show. So, for athletes um, that are looking to get in contact with you, uh, sure. looking to get, you know, see your work, how would they get in contact with you? What platforms are you on? I'm on uh, Instagram right now, uh, Carter underscore performance. Um, and then, or you could just email me at K Carter or KT Carter the number seven at gmail.com. We also, we got merch out, Carter Performance merch, t-shirts, we got more coming. But um, the best way to reach me and kind of see some of the stuff that we do would be Instagram. Like I said, Carter underscore performance. Gotcha, gotcha. And going about booking a training session, just be DMing you, uh, emailing you something. Simple as a DM, simple as a DM or a message and we can get everything uh, figured out from there. Gotcha. Hey, well, Kyle, I appreciate you for joining us, my guy. Um, wow. Hope all is well with the family. Hope you're staying safe during quarantine. And uh, you. back up soon. For sure, man. Will do. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. Take care.